0: Hey guys, my name is Sharad. I am the owner and founder of recently simply I'm super, super excited to have Dean Rogers with me on this podcast. He's uh, He's been a recently simply user for uh, two or three years and an awesome friend. I got to meet him at his event a couple of months ago uh, and it's been a total total pleasure working with him. So Dean, welcome to the recently simply podcast, man. How are you?
1: What's up, man? Thanks for having
0: me. Yeah, man, thank you so much for uh, for being on the call. I want to start off by saying, like, for such a successful real estate investor you are so down to it and always open to feedback and uh you know just like so easy to talk to so I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. I think that comes from from my background playing sports like every yeah. single practice every single day you just get tons of criticism and you learn if you receive that criticism and and learn how to improve on it then it'll make you better. So I always yeah. like to say I like I like to be an open learner and receive information from everybody and yeah, man, that's what it's all about.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, man, let's let's just get started and you know tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you located? You know, and where is your business located?
1: Yeah, so I've been investing in real estate for about 10 years now, and I live in San Diego, and I actively do all my investing in Central California, which is where I grew up.
0: Okay, so just so that people have idea, how far is your investing market from where you live?
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's close to San Diego's in California, but if you're driving a car, it's five to six hours, you know, five to six hour drive. And, and lots flying, of flying, lots of farms. Yep, nothing but farms and cows. So it's the part that people usually fly over when they're going to San Francisco or fly over when they're going to LA. Right,
0: cool well, man. And then you pick that market because you, originally from Fresno area, correct?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a, a small town called Visalia. And uh, when I got started, I was living in San Francisco at the time. And it that market just did not make sense to me. Did not make sense to me. It, it quite frankly, like scared me, like it intimidated me. And uh, the only thing that I was familiar with is where I grew up. And thankfully those houses happened to be aligned with the medium price point with what affordable houses are still in america and several hundred thousand dollar houses so and those are still the prices today and uh, so that's what made most sense to me and what i was familiar with and that's where i started
0: tell us a little bit more about your background so you used to play sports right what was that transition like and then why did you you know it's like a lot of kids growing up they want to you know play for nfl nba and you achieved that dream But then you decided to do investing like tell us a little bit about that story
1: yeah so uh i was fortunate enough to to live out the childhood dream played for the the san diego chargers in the nfl and it was incredible it was a dream come true it was like i was living in a dream everything was super surreal a lot of that is because of the way i grew up you know i grew up in that small town not a lot of big flashy things i like to always say that you know really the only thing you could do where i grew up was you know, spend time with family, with friends, go to school, play sports and go to church. Like that's all you could really do. There wasn't really a whole lot of entertainment things. It was very big time. It was, you know, the Hollywood style life, uh, being in the spotlight and having instant fame, instant status, uh, instant authority. I mean, overnight you are a celebrity, even if you're not the superstar, right? I played with Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates and in the locker room, what's funny is you're one of the guys. So it's just like you and I talking right now, you and I are both real estate investors. We're, we're so passionate about it. We're gonna talk about it over and over. How can we improve? How can we help each other? It's the same thing in the locker room, right? Maybe a little bit more competitive, <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> alpha male uh, and intense, but uh, those are now your peers and your teammates. So that that part was pretty crazy. And then like everywhere you go, people are wanting your autograph people are you know wanting to spend time with you they're wanting to give you free stuff they also want free stuff from you you know like it's just this hilarious world flipped upside down um because of this new title that you have so uh everything was fun you know living the dream and um and everything was going great too which was so wild about it too, you know, was playing great, had North Turner, the head coach, telling me I was going to have a long career. And from the first play, the very first snap uh, until the last day, you know, like I was playing really good and, and having a great experience. The only catch Sherrod was my, my main position was tight end and love playing tight end. I love getting the ball. I love scoring touchdowns you know, the tight end position for those that know about football, you got to be able to do everything. You got to get to go block the big massive guys and be strong. You also got to be fast and run and catch the ball, score touchdowns. So I loved playing that position, but North Turner, the head coach of the Chargers, moved me from tight end to fullback. And at fullback, if you know about football, you are pretty much a full-time uh, battering ram. You are a crash test dummy whose sole mission is to run through the big linemen and try to crush people and clear the way for the running back to run through the hole. And I was really good at it, but as part of being really good at it, I kind of had to use my head a lot and bash in my head. And because you're playing against the biggest, strongest, fastest people, just as big and strong as fast as you, those collisions are insane. Like, just like car wrecks and uh, although I was doing good at it, I was feeling the effects in my head instantly. And it just, it happened to ha- be like the perfect storm where ESPN was talking about concussions that year. Junior Seau killed himself that year because of all the, the head trauma that he had. I saw the veterans walking around with you know their issues and it just, I got chills thinking about it right now. It just like made me think. Uh, this isn't good, if I keep doing this, I'm going to die. So the, the end of that story is I made the hard decision to to walk away, not to look back, not to try to switch back to tight end, not to try to go to another team, not to do anything, but just to turn and walk away and, and go fast. So uh, that's where I started.
0: If you had stayed in tight end position, would you have continued playing? Okay.
1: Oh wow. yeah, dude, because <laughs> dude, that, that whole world, you see what is possible. I mean, you have these childhood dreams of the big houses, the the private jets, uh, the supermodel women, you have all these dreams as a childhood boy. And that's what was given to me on a silver platter. Everything, access to anything you want and the the life of the rich and famous. It was all right there for the taking, but had I stayed at tight end, I would have definitely kept playing because it, it was just, it was fun. I, ha-
0: I have to take a moment and say, like, it just goes to show how grounded you are. I-, I can't even imagine how difficult that decision must have been for you to, like, walk away from your childhood dream. You know, to have, like, everything given to you. I mean, of course, you worked hard for it, but everything, you know, that you dreamed about, have it. And then have the, the sense of knowing that, hey, this is not good for my body for long term. Yeah, man. Is-, is that, would you say that's the most difficult decision you've made in yeah. your life?
1: still the most difficult i made what what made it so difficult too is to this day like the only time I talk about this only time I talk about it is really on podcasts just like this this is the only time I talk about it with with other people that are you know at a high level in the business I I kind of like live that whole moment in secrecy you know um you're kind of in an isolated bubble and you kind of have to be also because all the outside noise and influence i remember the first day i signed signed a three-year deal i just walked you know they fly me in walk me up to the the head office sign my my three-year contract you know you're meeting all the players you know the owner of the team everything and it's like okay this is pretty cool i i turned my phone off before i got there when i got back to uh my hotel i i turned my phone on And it was ringing for like an hour straight of just notifications, not like someone was calling me. It was just like text message after text message, email after email, DM after DM. It was just like nonstop, um, just within hours of it being announced, you know? Because of all that, and because the fact I was going through making this hard decision, you know like it didn't make it just felt weird to try to go tell somebody hey i made it i'm living my dream i'm gonna walk away from it what do you think you know most people are gonna say you're crazy like do you know how hard it is to get here you know you're one right. in a, a billion chance to make it like it wouldn't make sense to most people even family and friends so i just kept it to myself and just made the decision and that was it man
0: that's good man uh, and how many years did you play in the nfl
1: just just that one year
0: wow man that must uh i I can even imagine like how difficult that decision must have been when you were making that decision did you know what you were going to do with your life or you're like okay i just want to put this chapter behind me and then i'm going to take some time off and kind of figure out what i need to do you know moving forward
1: yeah i didn't have a clue i was still like in this disbelief of kind of what i was doing and and still kind of confused right so i was I was still training and staying active and kind of just keeping my options open. I had no plans, I had no feelers out there, anything. Um, was just staying in shape and just kind of like seeing seeing how life was gonna go. But just within about a month, a month or two, one of my good friends I played football with uh, in college, he reached out to me and was like, Dean, I know you're done playing. You know, what are you doing? And it was, uh, you know, perfect timing, he reached out and said I, I could basically walk you in the door to this great tech company in the San Francisco Bay area. And it's a, you know, big corporate company. They're about to go public. You could get in pretty early and, uh, I could basically walk you past all the red tape, you know, all the interviews, everything get you hired. I was like, okay, tell me more. So told me all about it. It seemed like the ideal, perfect type of job to have life after football and it's kind of like what I had drawn you know drew up as to when I'm done playing football this is the ideal type of company to work with and I always told myself you know someday I'll work for some big company I'll do really good I'll make a lot of money so he did just that he walked me in the door got me hired and started working and it was incredibly easy Uh, there was a lot I didn't know like I didn't know anything about (laughs) like how to work outside of sports, um, at that point. But in terms of just like showing up and giving my maximum effort and putting in the work that dude, I had been training for war, you know, I've been training for the most intense physical and mental type of preparation you could have. I mean, to, to be physically in shape for playing against other people that are the best in the world, to be mentally prepared to know all the plays. And to be able to handle all the stress, being in a stadium of you know 80,000 people, all that kind of stuff, like showing up at nine o'clock for work to go slap the keyboard around just was kind of a joke to me, you know? So I put in the work. Now, mind you, I went from a seven-figure contract to a $65,000 salary in San Francisco. Oh,
0: wow. Francisco. <laughs> what, what, and what year, sorry, just so that I understand, what year is this, uh, That so right after, you walked away from NFL. You moved to San Francisco, right? Yeah. And, and so what played, year was it? I played
1: the I played the 2011 2012 season, and then I started working um, in 2012.
0: Wow, sixty five thousand dollars a year. That yeah. got you a closet that you could rent in San Francisco.
1: Four hundred and twenty four square foot studio. Yep.
0: Wow. All right. And how many years did you uh, work at, or how, how long did you work at the company?
1: For years, actually. It was, it was like the foundation, the backbone of like what helped me get started. But within that first year of working there, I was busting my butt and I'm thinking to myself, okay, obviously, you know, this isn't super hard for me, even though I don't know a ton of stuff, there's a lot I need to learn, but they're gonna recognize that I've got potential they're gonna give me a pay raise after this first year. right? I know that people coming out of college are getting six figure jobs. So I know I should be able to as well. So the, the year passes, still no raise, no, one, no one's reaching out to me to, to give me a raise. And then about the 14th month, finally get called in after me hinting a little bit, like, hey, what's next? And they're like, all right, we're gonna give you a pay raise. Uh, you're gonna go from sixty-five thousand to sixty-seven thousand dollars, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was I was honestly embarrassed. I was I just couldn't believe it. I thought it was a joke. I'm like, "There's no way, it's a two thousand dollar increase. This is a joke. Like, what the heck?" I just spent a year, you know, and I quickly realized if this is what this is gonna look like, how many years is it gonna take me to? get to 100,000? How many years is it gonna take me to get to hundreds of thousands? How long is it gonna take me to be financially free? And I did not see that clear path, even though this was a big company with people making lots of serious money. I just wasn't in the right position within the company. And part of that was due to my my lack of experience. So I thought to myself, well, although this might be a good platform to start, and to keep for a while i need to figure something else out i need to take something into my own hands and and get this figured out so i thought to myself Sherrod, what the heck do i even know about the world what else do i even like i mean i like sports i'm a jock like what else do i what else am i even good at and i was you know i'm smart i did good in school and stuff but book smart doesn't always mean you're a good business owner or someone who should you know go start a business i just started having a heart to heart in a short period of time it's kind of like making the decision to, to move on from football and i thought well i kind of like real estate you know i remember late night infomercials with dean, dean graciosi i remember watching hgtv with my parents you know real estate's kind of cool and I thought maybe I'll be like a realtor or something. So I type in how to get started in real estate. And what popped up was how to get started with little to no money by Sean Terry, foot to Freedom. I thought to myself, well, that sounds pretty good because $65,000 in salary in I mean, San Francisco. You do have
0: the extra 2,000 now.
1: I got the extra 2,000. I used that up pretty quick. <laughs> money started getting really tight. It really did. And, uh, to keep it real with people I like to keep it real as possible there's a period of time in that transitional period living in San Francisco where money got tight I'm living paycheck to paycheck now and there there was a, a moment in time about a month or two where my other credit cards even though the limits were like five thousand bucks or whatever they were kind of maxed out I didn't really have anything else and I I was living paycheck to paycheck I had to use one month Target credit card that had a $500 limit to go get groceries for my wife. And I'm And i thinking, I'm staring myself in the mirror. Like, dude, you just went from being on top of the world to now a nobody. Like, what are you going to do about it? You know? So I found that podcast and it just lit me on fire. The very first episode I listened to, I was just so excited because I just realized there's so much potential. I mean, he was given case case studies about, you know, the pest guy, the pest control guy who was making 30,000 a year, who came in is now making hundreds of thousands of dollars following this system and that another think at myself, dude, if these guys can do it, I can surely do it. And so I just followed that free podcast. And I did my first deal in three months, giving myself that proof of concept and, um, that was That's all it took for me to just know, dude, this is it. I'm going to freaking blow this up, and this is what's going to get me back to that possibility I saw, that that financial freedom, the life of abundance that I saw with the NFL. This is what's going to get me back there.
0: Dude, you know what I love about your story? First of all, you have no ego to walk away from a seven-figure contract and then to take a job at 65000 knowing knowing like, that's the best long-term decision for you and then also that you once you've decided something like you're not doing anything half-heartedly like you're going all in with this real estate incredible man. so you do your first wholesale business is like 2012 by like 2012 this, 11 12 period
1: this is 2013 so it yeah works for a year i'm in halfway through 2013 in june find the podcast, take action, and do my first deal in three months.
0: All right, so you closed your first, did you wholesale that deal, 2013?
1: of even more interesting, which I could tell more details about, but what made it more interesting is I'm listening to this podcast, and I was I was so used to just following things to a T, like that's what you do, uh, usually as a, as a good athlete listening to coaches, like if you follow what they say, usually it's gonna work, right? If you try to just go reinvent the wheel, not only are they not gonna play you, but you're probably not gonna do that well. So I just followed what Sean Terry was saying, and I was doing it in Phoenix. Those first couple of deals were actually in Phoenix, his market wow. where he was describing, and I got a deal using a strategy he was talking about. I couldn't, I couldn't find a buyer quick enough. And so I actually reached out to his team. Well, I didn't have their number, but I remember Sean talking about his website. So I went to his website and filled it out like I was a seller and then his team called me and I told him, hey, I'm looking to wholesale a deal. You know, uh, can you put me in contact with Sean? They put me in contact with Sean. He called me from his car. Hey, what's up, man? I could hear the wind blowing. I'm like, dude, this is cool. And he's (laughs) like, yeah, man, I can get that deal sold. And so he got it sold within 48 hours and uh, we split it 50-50, so that's- And how much money
0: did you make on that first, if you don't mind sharing?
1: First deal was twelve grand and we split it. We each made six. Wow.
0: All right. So you got the taste of real estate. And then what happened after that? You were like, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life long time. Like this is my my calling.
1: Yeah. So I'm I'm all in, passionate about it. Know that this is what's gonna be the vehicle for me. Take massive action. I'm getting traction. I'm doing deals. Not as much as I'd like to do. I maybe did I did about eight in my first year, okay? And this um, is
0: why we're working full-time?
1: Yep, working full-time. Wow. Every every second after work, uh, before work, um, on my lunch break, when I see someone going out to get a smoke break, I'm going back out to listen to a voicemail and call someone back, you know? And I was commuting three hours a day on the train, one hour there, one hour wow. back. So wow. um, It was it was quite the journey, but, I'm putting in this work, I get I get my eight deals the first year. The second year, I join, a, um, I join a coaching program that's teaching about flipping. And right at the same time, the person I was now wholesaling deals in my market, Central California, my hometown, one of the buyers tells me, dude, you're really good at finding deals. Do you wanna do flips together? I'm thinking to myself like, I'm just now learning how to do flips. He wants to do flips together. I wanna to make more money. This sounds great. So he just so happens to say <laughs> hey it's slowing down a little bit in central California you you told me you did some deals in Phoenix do you want to do, do you want to do some flips in Phoenix? I'm like sure wherever like I don't care like I, I want to do flips I want to make more money let's do this and so we we jump in really quick we buy six flips in Phoenix and mind you my 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 person who the the buyer the the guy I'm partnering up with, he he's already experienced. He's done a lot of flips. He's made a lot of money. He's thinking everything that he touches is gold, right? And that's what he's, he's told me. So we go into Phoenix, we buy these six houses in one month. Okay. The end of that story is four of those deals. We made some money on not a lot, 10 grand here, 15 grand there. The other two, the first ones we bought, we had the wrong contractors, the wrong comps, everything went wrong, and we lost $100,000. Oh, wow. Now, for me, I did not have $100,000 to lose at that time. I what? did not. And so my my new, brand new partner that we just did deals with had to shoulder the burden of basically taking my loss for me and me having to pay him back. And the only way I saw out of that was not to go in the corner and cry and and put my tail in between my legs. It was to come out fighting and swinging. And I just thought, well, dude, I gotta go find more deals now. Gotta go do more deals. So got refocused in Central California, started finding more deals, finding more deals, and wholesaling those and flipping them and doing them with that new partner. And we did that for the next year and a half of in really the next year of me crawling out of that hole. And the, the next year and a half, realizing like, yo, if we can go through that, we can go through anything, right? We got each other's back. Nobody pointed fingers at each other. We just said, let's figure out a way to fix this. And after that year and a half, we no longer dated each other. We now became official partners and still are to this day. And, um, and, Kind of flash forward to where we're at now, you know we've we've uh, we've done right around 600 deals together. Uh, several hundred of those are flips. Over 300 of those are um, wholesale deals, and then we have a rental portfolio right around 10 million dollars uh, of those properties.
0: Yeah. All in uh, Central California.
1: All in Central California. Yep.
0: Okay. So from the first few deals that you did in Phoenix to you know doing over hundreds of deals, what are some of the biggest differences in how you were running your business in the beginning versus how you're running your business now?
1: Yeah, I'd say the, the biggest, clearest difference is just um, being more true to understanding what the numbers are. You know, when I was just getting started, I just wanted to do deals. I think a lot of people rush into the wrong deal And I, and, and my message to most people now is it's better to do no deal than a bad deal. Right. I've even heard people say, Hey, it's okay. If I, you know, break even on this deal. I just want to learn. You don't want to learn by losing tens of thousands of dollars. I've done it and it doesn't feel good. And usually when you're just getting started, you're not in the position to lose any money. So you need your deals to be good deals and there's no faking the numbers, you know, so you need to lean on. You know a coach or a mentor and get the right training you also need to lean, lean on your community of people around you and find the right people who have the right mindset to to align with you and collaborate with you to help you through those tough decisions and those tough decisions become easy decisions for experienced people you know like this week i've got like five flips that i'm buying we've got you know 20 deals in escrow uh and and like 15 of those are, are wholesale deals that's just a normal day for me now to buy deals but back then when i was getting started i had no business rushing into deals you got to take your time making sure you do it right and a lot of that can come by leaning on experts in the area like i i had my business partner when we focused back where we should have in in uh, central california i i leaned and i borrowed his credibility. I borrowed his experience to do these flips because I didn't know what repair costs were. I didn't know how to hire contractors. You know, I just knew how to like, follow some steps to, to generate leads and close deals. So the combination of us together really helped accelerate and, and grow both of our businesses.
0: Oh, that's incredible man. Now, now you, you've also have a coaching program and you have many, many successful students that, you know, kind of, it's interesting, like looking back to like about, you know, about 10 years ago, when you got started, you know, you found Sean Terry and just like that, a lot of people are finding you and, you know, getting their first even making, you know, a life changing, uh, you know, money. What, what led you to that? And why do that? Why not just go deeper into investing?
1: Yeah. So I, I started coaching students, which all came from, um, it kind of came full circle, like you said, and I've, I've realized that lately. It, it came from several years ago, I started a meetup in Central California. and the whole mission behind that was, hey, we're doing we're doing lots of deals now, we're we're doing good. We have a successful business. but as well as we're doing, I still feel like there's a missed opportunity. And 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 truthfully, for the first, let's call it six years, I really had my head down and i was focused on trying to find my identity you know for for the first six years i was trying to reinvent myself and and sure i was already doing the business doing deals but i was trying to fill this this void that i had of not being the nfl superstar anymore and i had to like make it again and that was that was maybe in my own head or, or whatever it was but like I felt like I needed to prove it to myself that I was somebody again, you know, and as part of doing that and having that chip on my shoulder, trying to prove to myself that I could be on top again, to be successful again, I kept my head down and it was just like, I'm going to go to work. Like, I don't need to, you know, come out of my shell and tell people that I'm just getting started or that I'm just trying to make it like I i had in my own head that I needed to become great first. And then I could go out to the world and network. To me, that was a hugest missed opportunity because I preach to my students now, Hey, if you have value to give, you, you need to share your journey. You need to document your journey. If you're just brand new, you're broke, you're living at home uh, with your parents, whatever your situation is, you know, single mom, um, just got laid off a job, lean into your, your story. Share your journey with others. People like that come up story, right? People wanna get behind people like that that are trying to to grow better themselves and and do it with the right mindset and and energy. So I realized I missed that opportunity and saw the opportunity. If I go out and just try to give value to others now that I've I've made it or at least done something, um, I can help other people work through that beginning process or even, have new collaborations with people that are experienced. So I saw that. I saw that vision. Started the meetup. The very first meetup was February of 2020. Oh, wow. <laughs> February of 2020. And um, had about 100 people show up, it was a great turnout. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, this is it. This is exactly what I was talking about. The energy in the room was great. Collaboration was in the air. Um, giving value to others without expecting anything in return. This was what it's all about. And March 2020, the world shuts down. I'm thinking, great, now what am I going to do? You know, there goes that great idea. But I I got creative. I went to to Instagram and Facebook. I'd only just like posted videos of me going to the beach with the kids before that. But now I started to share like, hey, guys, we're doing deals. Here's how we're doing deals. You know, here's how we can help you do deals as well. Let's Let's collaborate. Let's grow together. And that message took off. It it really took off and people got behind it. People started reaching out. Hey, I got this deal, what do you think? Can you help me on it? And started helping people and started helping people brand new, never done a deal before, and make that deal turn into a nothing to now $40,000 that we split. That turns into $120,000 that we split. I mean, these are real example deals that we've done with people. And for some of these people, it was life-changing money, and also great for us too. And just that feeling of fulfillment was so powerful that I was thinking, dude, how can I do this on a larger scale? And um, you know, mentors or, or people that I I looked up to like Sean Terry, like Carlos Reyes, like Steve Trang, like uh, Tiffany and Josh High. Um, you know, like the list goes on and on. Case Morby, Jamil Damji, like there's there's a long list of people, you know, that I've had the pleasure to meet over the years and more recently meet them and become friends with them. My vision was, okay, now that I'm helping these people, I noticed that these these other people I look up to and admire, they they have platforms, they're on social media, they're on stage speaking, they have coaching programs. If I want to be in the same circle as these people, I need to do the same thing. So I started to go to events. And uh, 2021, February, 2021, I went to Scale & Escape in San Diego. Kent Clothier hosted the event. He introduced me to Marshall Falk, Hall of Famer, running back for the, the St. Louis Rams. That was cool. And then I started to meet other people. I met Carlos, I met Cody Sperber, I met uh, Ryan Pineda, met a lot of people who I saw had been seeing doing amazing things and helping a lot of people, and now I had met them. And that led to one thing after another, to now speaking on stage, to hosting my own events. You know, one of the biggest events I've hosted, the first one uh, out of two, had 600 people at it with Pace Morby, Jameel Damji, Henry Washington as guest speakers. And that all just was a snowball effect of just saying like, I want to I want to be like those guys, and um, and and seeing what the things were that they were doing. So I started the coaching program, and that's that's just been like a continuation of kind of what I was already doing, helping people. But now, literally showing people play by play, step by step, what to do to find success, and and follow the same processes, the same marketing, everything that that I'm doing in my business to this day. Cause I'm not a, a, a has been investor. I'm still doing, you know, about 10 deals a month and we still do hundred deals a year. So I'm showing people what we're doing in our business. And it's been amazing to see people's results. You know, like I mentioned a couple examples, but 21 year old living at home with his parents joined nine months ago, never done a deal before. He's already done 16 deals. You know, another guy who was wow. a realtor wanted to get started investing did three, only three deals during the coaching program, but they were all $50,000 average. He did over $150,000 net profit on just three deals. You know, single mom who almost gave up on herself, but pushed through. She's got like four deals under contract just in this past month. Super proud of her. Uh, Another guy who was going into foreclosure on his house and was able to land a $25,000 deal To pull himself out of foreclosure um there's just there's all these different stories that just make you feel really proud of of helping people through that stuff
0: yeah absolutely man i I feel like that's where you get the most joy in your life is not just making money for yourself like helping other people make money and helping other people uh totally change their life thank you man thank you for sharing that so i'm gonna transition a little bit and let's say I'm a newbie real estate investor, right? I'm starting out and I come to you, I say, Dean, you know, there's these four pillars of successful real estate investor. You have the data, marketing, sales, and operation. You know, if you were to give me one tip on data, you know, maybe what list should I pull, you know, what would you say? Like anything about data, like the one thing that I need to focus on.
1: Yeah, I'd say, you know, be careful with your data, Uh, where you get it matters. Um, how you treat it matters. I think everybody's looking for that next list that's gonna be the silver bullet and and make you super successful. You know, most lists for the, for the most part are gonna have quote unquote deals in them, you know? There are lists that are better than others. You know, driving for dollars list is gonna be your secret list that no one else has that if you're staying up to date and current and continuing to work, it it is going to be your best bang for buck. You know, your smaller list that has more in it. The obvious list that for us has been a tried and true is the absentee owner list. It's a big list. Everybody's marketing to it. There's no surprise. Most people know to market to it, but for us, it's just been a good list and historically has produced a lot of, of revenue for us. And for the first, like, five years was the only marketing I was doing was direct mail to absentee owner list. But times changed, uh, things started going more digital, more tools, uh, more education. So we do a lot of stuff now, but um, the data is foundational and important because if you got the wrong data, you're gonna be a dog chasing its tail. And if you got the right data and you treat it right, you're cleaning your data. You're not just throwing it in the trash. Oh, this list didn't work. Well, did you, did you talk to all 1,000 people that were on the list? No? Okay, well, that means there's still opportunity to talk to the people you didn't talk to yet. So what are you gonna do to get in front of them? How are you gonna make sure you skip trace it again on the the wrong numbers or the missing numbers, right? How are you gonna make sure you're maximizing that data so you get in touch with the right people? So that's that's the key to, to treating your data right. All right.
0: So let's say absentee list is, I would say that's what I hear most of the investors say, if there's one list, start with absentee. All right. So I start with absentee at the data part. Now I come to the marketing. What would you say I do with that list? Like what's the best, if, if I only had limited budget, what's the one marketing channel that I should use to reach my list of let's say thousand people on absentee list.
1: That's tough. Cause there's, there is the marketing that you do. So outbound marketing, when it comes to a list there's only so many different things you can do. Usually that list, you can either cold call or send direct mail to, right? The other marketing channels like PPC and direct mail and radio and Facebook ads and different things like that are people coming to you, right? You don't create those lists, they come to you. So you can either get that type of data and then market to them. Or if you're creating a list like the absentee owner list, then you know, sending postcards, in my opinion, has worked the best as opposed to texting or cold calling. Look, texting and cold calling, they work too. And you can get great results. I would say my mentality, my philosophy around marketing, and there's gonna be people that disagree with this, which is okay, I wanna pay money to make my phone ring. That's something I heard, I think I heard it from Sean Terry from the early days, is he, he gave me this idea of, spending money to make your phone ring rather than you being on the phone all day cold calling or you being behind mm-hmm. launch control or you know batch leads or some other platform to do the text blasting you know i want my phone to ring so if i can spend money on marketing that makes my phone ring with somebody saying they want to sell that's what i want to do as fast as possible so out of those choices for a list, I'd, I'd go with postcards. All
0: right. So let's say I send out postcard to 1000 people and I have, you know, a few solid leads. How do I convert those leads into deals now? Like what, what's the, the one thing as far as like sales is concerned. That's been the, the biggest takeaway for you.
1: Well, the first thing is, is you, you got to have a script. You have to have a script. And the reason you need to have that is because you're going to default back to whatever you've been practicing, whatever you've been training. Just like when you, you know, the sports analogy, when you're in the game, when when uh, it's the heat of the moment, when it's the big play to make, you're gonna default back to what you've been practicing. And that's why you, you. practice okay. the same plays over and over and over again. You don't just practice the, the you know, the passing play in football once, you don't practice, shooting the basket from the three-point line at that one spot one time. You shoot over and over and over again so you can default back to that muscle memory, that practice you have. So if you're not practicing a script, every call you have with the seller is gonna be different. Some calls good, some calls terrible, right? You're gonna default back. So if you have a script, that's gonna give you structure to follow and ask the same questions and get the same information. The other added little hint without going too deep into the process and the questions is, you gotta focus on the person. The person you're talking to, the the seller, you have to focus on them and helping them. If you're just focused on, oh gosh, what's the price? You know, How much money am I gonna make? Then you got it all backwards and it's actually gonna hurt you and, and keep you further away from making good money or getting any deals at all. But if you genuinely focus on helping that seller and asking them genuine questions on, you know, how can you help them and being curious to find out more about what they share back, right? You're not just gonna get a response and move on to the next question. You need to find out more, dig deeper. If you can do that, then that will really change the game for you and allow you to have more meaningful conversations which you're then going to present, what I call all the puzzle pieces, to put everything together, to be able to determine: do we have a deal here? You know, can I make something work here? And uh, and if you do that, it'll make a, a big difference in your results.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's like having a process, trusting the process, and then trying to help people. That should be your end goal. And then when it comes to the operational side of the business, I know you're absolutely amazing at it. What structure or practices you put in place that have helped you operate your business very efficiently and at such a large scale?
1: I think having lived through it first was really important. So, you know, it was me and my partner uh, from the early days and we did it for years by ourselves, just cranking through deals and, um, and really knowing and living and breathing what it felt like to put deals together. So that background really helped translate to uh, moving into that more leadership owner position but that is that is really different those are different those are different roles and those are different skill sets and the transition out of the person in the trenches to now the leader it was hard you know it was hard it still is hard it's still not easy it's still things that you have to work on but i think um, what i learned was you've got to follow a process It can't just be based on skill. It can't just be based on, you know, hype and energy. You've got to follow a process. And the more you can follow a process and have that structure, the more that your team is going to have confidence in what they're doing. And if you don't have a team yet, and it's just you, the more process you follow, the more you'll have confidence in what you're doing, right? And it will help support the results you're getting. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is, 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 to work through your process without telling you all the X's and O's of what you need to do. Um, You do need to understand your process, you need to document it, and you need to lean on other people too that are doing things at a high level and learn from them, right? Sometimes it's just one, one tiny tweak. Like when I I implemented and realized connecting the dots from the corporate world that I came from to the, the real estate high performer world, I realized that these two both had something in common of having team meetings regularly throughout the week right. to talk about the pipeline to talk about the deals in escrow to talk about you know training and getting better these are all things that just kept showing up as commonalities and so i implemented that and that made a huge difference so it's things like that that you put in place that will will move the needle
0: yeah man great great insight into that All right, transition a little bit into some, you know, personal stuff. Uh, What do you do for fun?
1: So I'd say that the things I like to do most is be out active doing sports, you know, so anything health related to eating really healthy to working out. Those are all just like lifestyle things, but the things I, I get the most excited about is either playing sports with my kids or coaching my kids in sports. Or just like going out and playing pickup basketball by myself, you know, playing with, playing nice. with a group of guys. So those are the things that I like to do the most now. All
0: right, what's the one book that has had the biggest influence in your life?
1: So I, I almost don't like to admit it, but I'm not a big reader. I like to consume information, a lot of it, and usually a lot of it's like training or different things like that. Yeah, it could I, be a training.
0: Yeah, I'll it could pick be a up training these nuggets. Be, Yeah.
1: So I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's one book or one specific thing. I will say in my early days, I had heard about Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A lot of people got started listening to that. I will say when I did read it, that's one of the few books that I've actually read from cover to cover. I was like, okay, I see what the hype's about. Like, Even though I already understood this, just reading it helped connect some more dots and really confirm like, hey, this is valid thought. I'm on the right track. You know, so it's just little moments in that, and time like that, that, uh, were helpful. Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. If you could spend a day with anyone dead or alive, who would you want to spend the day with and why? Uh,
1: I'd want to spend the day with Jesus. I want to see what he's all about, man. Yeah. I think, I think that would be pretty cool, dude, <laughs> to, to spend time with Jesus and like roll around and see what he's about. The interactions that he had to see, you know, just like. The, the influence and power that he had uh, with other people, I think that would be an incredible experience.
0: All right, man, this is a two-part question. What do you hope people get out of listening to your story right now? And what advice would you give someone who's just getting started?
1: So I shared, I shared part of my story of just kind of like having to restart over and just go after, right? And then having a really big, massive mistake Look, I'm, I'm here to tell you, that's not the only mistake I had. I, I didn't wanna, we could spend a lot longer talking about the other mistakes I had and how much hundreds of thousands of dollars I lost by making really simple, bad mistakes. Very avoidable, very avoidable. But I guess they were just lessons I had to learn. And look, the thing that I learned the most in those moments was in the real world, outside of school, outside of the structure of sports and stuff like that, no one's here to save you. No one's here to rescue you. If you wanna be a victim, you can be a victim, but life's not gonna be very fun. The moment you own that it's your fault, it's your mistake, it's your life, you have to take ownership, you control your outcomes and your destiny, and you gotta put in the work to get those results that you want, right? I can want things. I actually don't like the word want. When someone says I want things, I'm like no you got to earn things you can earn things right you got to put in the work for it so my from my story the the lessons i like to to share is like look i've been beat down i've been destroyed i've had to to be at the bottom but with perseverance with believing in yourself and you know putting in the work you can accomplish anything no matter how low you're starting no matter how high you're starting no matter where you're at in your journey if there's something you want, you can 100% accomplish it. And a lot of it just comes down to putting in the work and having the right mindset. And that's, that's the key. Absolutely, man. Yeah.
0: so one. Yeah. Listen to your story. It's, it's incredible. Like just committing to one thing. I mean, that's the word that comes to mind, like committing and then just, you know, being 100%, like it's not, Hey, I'm going to give this a shot and see if it works and not you decided I'm going to go all in and make it happen. And you just did. Hi, man. So if people wanna connect with you, what's the best way to connect with you?
1: So the best place is to go to deanrogers.com. You can see all my stuff there, all my social media stuff. Um, you can see information about my coaching program if you're interested. So you can connect with me at deanrogers.com. Um, also, if you just wanted a shortcut and go straight to uh, Instagram, you can connect at Dean Rogers Real Estate. And I always like to give the call to action. DM me, reach out. Stay in contact with me. I actually respond to my DMs. I love connecting with people and seeing what we can do together. So um, let's reach out, let's connect and see what we can do.
0: Cool. Yeah, and we'll put that in the show notes also, uh, so people can click on that. Yeah, thank you, Dean. Thank you so much for incredible, incredible, you know, story, sharing an incredible story. I appreciate it, man. I think a lot of newbies are gonna get tons and tons of information and inspiration out of it. Thank you.
1: Awesome, thanks for having me, man.